turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10, 10. And today we continue in a series called A Church for Real Life as we go deeper into a message called Learning to Walk. Pastor Sean says everyone goes through a wilderness season because that's where it gets real. When you depend more on God for your needs than when you're living in prosperity. Your character gets stronger as your need for your father is stronger. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he was tempted in the areas of provision, security, and ambition. If one of those are a temptation you're dealing with, well then grab a Bible. Keep it right here. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. A church for real life. Why are we talking about this? Because this is what God has asked us to be. And far too often the church has been something different. The church has been something that, while well-intended, has not connected with real life, has been separate and distinct. And Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Have you ever experienced a thief coming to steal, kill, and destroy? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of us have. I know folks who are right now feeling like that. I'm really glad the verse doesn't stop there. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it to the full, have it more abundantly, that you might have real life. And I'm just tired of we believers settling for less. And this church was founded. This church came into being because God started nudging on a few of our hearts and saying, man, there's something more. God wants to do something. He wants something real, something authentic. And we talked about a church for real life. We said church for real life is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's centered on Jesus. It's because of Jesus. It's alive through Jesus Christ. Now, you remember, um, we last week kind of started what's a little two-part message in the midst of this series, learning to walk. That was part one. This is part two. Okay? And... We shared how it's one thing to be called to something cool and different and God, you know God gives you vision and you know God's moving you, but what that always means is you got to leave something else. I mean, that's the Christian journey. It's awesome when you hear about forgiveness. It's awesome when you hear about uh, eternal life. That All those things are awesome and they're supposed to be. Grace is amazing and it's supposed to be. The, the problem is when we begin to follow Jesus, that means we can't follow the stuff we were following before. We can't be about what we were about before. It's true for us as people, and it's true as we come together in fellowships. When God was calling us to be a church for real life, he was calling us to walk differently. And that was, that was going to be significant. And so we entered into this time that I talked about last week a little bit, talked about wilderness experiences. Because there's those times when God's asking us to leave some things behind, and he kind of almost has to give a reset. And wilderness experiences are those barren places 
Those places where all the other supports, all the things we lean on, all the things we distract ourselves with, yeah, they're not there. And you feel kind of alone. But he's there. And so wilderness are really important times. Well, you remember when we started this ministry, we found ourselves in that kind of time. God had given vision. He said, hey, we're going to be about these things. And that was awesome and exciting. And then kind of the bottom dropped out and we kind of found ourselves without any resources, without any opportunities, kind of just drifting. And we realized we were in a wilderness experience. And I told you last week, and again, if you want to hear more about that, I'll go into it more fully. Uh, in last week's message, you can go online at reallife.org and check that out. But in the beginning, I, I would go to my, have my quiet time, and every single day, I would open my Bible, it would flip to Matthew chapter 4. Even if I was on another reading plan, whatever, I'd just absentmindedly flip my Bible open, and I'd find myself in Matthew 4. It's the passage where Jesus is tempted by the enemy. And remember, I kept reading it every day, and I'm like, Lord, I kind of began to think, God's trying to tell me something through this. And I looked at the different lessons, and it was awesome and everything, but there was something I was missing until I realized all the quotes Jesus used when he quoted Scripture to the enemy during that temptation were from the same passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, where Moses is talking to God's people after they've just spent 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus was tempted regarding, he was hungry, fasted, he was tempted about bread, turned those stones into bread. He said, man, doesn't live by bread alone. He quoted the scripture. Taken up to the top of the temple. Get, throw yourself off. God, the word says God will protect you. He says, yeah, but the word also says you shouldn't tempt the Lord your God. Taken up to a high mountain. If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Yeah, scripture says you shouldn't worship any but the Lord God. And so he quotes scripture. All those scriptures are from this passage, Deuteronomy 6, 7, and 8. That whole idea of being in the wilderness. So it's like Jesus in the wilderness, led by the Spirit, and now God's going to take us and talk to some, and we're going to learn from God's people when they were in the wilderness. And as I told you, that's a principle. God takes us, he pulls us out, and he works with us in those times. And I just want to encourage you, because some of you may right now find yourselves and feel like you're in one of those wilderness places. It's like God's put something in your heart. You want big things from the Lord. You, you have vision. He's made promises, and you know they're true, but yet you find yourselves in this place where it feels kind of alone. Everyone else, man, they're doing great. It looks like life's going great for them. God's doing awesome things. But for you, you feel like you're isolated in this place where you're kind of alone. It's a little bit barren. Not a lot of good fruit coming, and it just doesn't feel good. I want to suggest you may be in a wilderness time. And the wilderness is where God prepares us to leave the old ways and to enter into the new. And that's where we were in this ministry. We needed to learn a new way. Now, in Matthew 4, Jesus was tempted in three significant areas. His needs, that's what the bread was about, hunger, just his physical needs. His security, safety, God will take care of you. Don't put God to the test. And then his ambition. And I, I want to suggest that's significant because I think every one of us is tempted in those areas. Either, either we are now or we have been at some point tempted in all three of those areas. The meeting of our needs is a big deal. We in America and really throughout the world spend a lot of time focused on taking care of our needs. Nothing wrong with taking care of our needs, but it can become an idol. It can become something that we're driven at. And we can find ourselves thinking all about work, about money, about all those things. And those, that's an example of an area where we can be tempted if we're not careful, just like Jesus was. Our security. I gotta hear, I gotta tell you, people are scared. In this world we're living in, as, as, far, as, as far as just security and safety, people are really concerned. And there's people doing crazy things to try to ensure their safety. And then our ambition. 
our goals, our dreams, what we see for our lives. Those are all potential areas of temptation. And that's where last week we looked at the, at the wilderness as a place where God teaches us that we can trust him and he teaches us dependence. But I want to suggest there's something else that happens. Those areas of temptation, God wants to do a work in our character. See, that's where all the good work begins. It begins on the inside. It begins with our character. If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to look at another section. Last week we looked at a piece from Deuteronomy 6 and we saw those promises. God's going to give you cities that you didn't build, houses you didn't fill, wells you didn't dig. And we saw how he's actually done similar things. We, we believed he was giving us this passage to teach us that he was going to do some things. If we would trust him, that would be a testimony and example to others of his faithfulness. And I shared with you some stories about how God actually did those things for us. Well, chapter 8 brings a little bit of context to the whole thing of the wilderness, the whole experience, and gives some warnings. And so I want to take a look at that. I'm going to begin at verse 1. Deuteronomy 8. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you. Make note of that phrase. That he might humble you. Testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. It's interesting. God's omniscient, right? He knows all. I think sometimes the character tests, the character development, is not only so God knows, but so, so we know what's in our heart. So we know what's in our heart. And he humbled you, let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you didn't know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make... You know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you. Your foot didn't swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Listen to these descriptive phrases. He's bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper and you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Let me just stop there. Remember last week we talked about how God doesn't want to take from you. I'm, I'm, I still think so many people walk around thinking, if I surrender everything and begin to follow the Lord and trust him with the stuff of my life. I'm not talking about church, okay? I'm not talking about your quiet time. I'm talking about actually saying, God, I'm going to trust you to lead in my career. I'm going to trust you to lead in my family. I'm going to trust you to lead in my marriage. I'm going to trust you in every single area of my life, the housing decisions I make transportation decisions I make, the stuff of life. There is this thing that I think a lot of people think, oh my gosh, if I do that, God's, I know he wants me to be a monk. He wants to take everything up. That's just what God wants to do. He totally wants me bald wearing a sheet. I know it. I, I don't know where we get that idea. It's like, you know, God's up there, kind of he's hurting and he just wants to take your stuff. Your stuff is so awesome. The almighty, the creator of all things wants your stuff, right? Like, I hate to tell you, I don't care how rich you are. God's not impressed. Just a little wake-up call there. But when we see these scriptures, there is a clear understanding. God truly wants to bless his people. He doesn't want to take from you. Now, 
Remember, it said he will discipline. So there are things that God will take if they are going to hurt people. There are things that God will say, yeah, no, you, you can't have that. No, don't follow that. And he's serious about that because he wants to bless. And, and when I say that, when I say God wants to bless you, God wants to prosper you, right away, we're Americans, so right away, we hear, God wants us all to be rich. Woohoo! this is good news. I like this church. It's my favorite church. Okay, now I'm going to be the cosmic killjoy, all right? I'm going to, I'm going to bring it all down, because the scripture doesn't say that God wants you to be rich. It does say he wants you to be blessed. It does say he wants you to prosper. I think God wants you to have enough to meet all your needs. I think God wants you not only to have enough to meet all your needs, I think he wants you to have enough to be able to give and to be generous and to to actually bear good fruit in the context of your life. I think that is very biblical. We can't go and say God's promised that we would all be rich because he just doesn't. Anybody who's told you that is lying to you. But he does want to give to you and to bless you. And so, I I mean, I think we need to understand that because we start talking about wilderness and things like that. It's like, okay, there's the monk thing. I told you. I see myself with a shaved head and a sheet. Understand, God's got a different purpose and a different focus. And we want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Learning to Walk, which, by the way, is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And now back to the message, Learning to Walk. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. And listen to what he says. You'll eat and be full. You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Verse 11, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, take care. Then that your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents, scorpions, thirsty ground where there's no water, brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna your fathers didn't know, that he might humble you and test you, do good in the end. Beware, listen to this, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers. 
as it is this day. Um, Let me just stop there. He warns, he says, take care. Be warned, lest when you do prosper, lest when you are blessed, lest when you are filled and satisfied, that you forget the Lord. Let me just tell you, that is one of the great, when it comes to a ministry, for example, we all, we all have seen ministries that have kind of grown big and prosperous, and then all of a sudden, you know, something happens and the ministry implodes, the pastor does something crazy, the leadership does something crazy, and you're like, what happened? How can a Christian church do that? Let me just tell you, that, that's really not a reflection on a Christian church, it's a reflection on the heart of people. And, and you need to know something. Hard times develop your character. Good times test your character. If you're in hard times, just know good news. That's an opportunity. And most of us understand that. Most of us, hard time comes, that's when we're praying, Lord, I need you. That's when we're pressing in close. That's when we're doing some self-evaluation. That's when we understand that. It's the good times that are dangerous. It's the good times when things are going well that we kind of don't feel like we need God as much and we forget. And that's what he's warning. He's saying, yeah, that's the danger. I want to help you bear fruit. I want you to be effective. I want to bless you. But do not forget where it came from. Don't get arrogant and start saying, look at all that my hand has allowed me to provide. Because he says, don't ever forget. It is the Lord who allows you, even empowers you, to get wealth. And then verse 19. Listen to this warning. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today, you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. So what he's saying is when you find yourself in a wilderness, pay attention. And then after that, remember the lessons of the wilderness. His people have gone through this that became an illustration for believers throughout history. Jesus understood that. When he's in the wilderness, he understood that the truths that were true back then are true now, and he quoted those scriptures in the wilderness. Here's the thing. The warning is when you are out of that wilderness and when you begin to experience God's blessing and when you begin to see the fruit that he wants to bear in each one of our lives, don't forget. Do not forget when prosperity comes. Don't forget him. I, I ask you to take note of that phrase he says when i humbled you and i brought humility to you that's a powerful understanding we need to understand how powerful humility is and and we live in a world that tells us the exact opposite okay you know that's one of those things in on dating services on your profile you're probably not going to see a lot of you know i'm a really humble guy and it's just we while we would say, oh yes, of course, it's a character trait, it's a, it's a quality, it's a, it's a good quality, humility, but honestly, everything in our world points us the other direction. Listen to what 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7 says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And then he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, younger and elder, with humility towards one another. And then listen to this, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's good to know. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You want the favor and the grace of the Lord? Humble yourself. You want to find God getting in your face? Which is a daunting thing when you think about God. Then be prideful. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Listen, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Isn't that interesting? Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. There it is again. God's not trying to beat you down. God's not trying to make you some sort of groveling you know, shell of who you are. No, God wants to build you up. God wants you to live up to the potential he created you for. But the pathway is the pathway of humility. Because otherwise all we find ourselves doing is pridefully raising ourselves up, kicking and pushing back against what the Lord wants to say. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. This is a powerful life principle that I want, I really just want to pause, okay? Because it's one of the things that God really wanted us to understand and it's a constant struggle. As long as we're in this flesh, it's never going to be, you know, it's not, it, it is what it is because the flesh is always the one that says me first, exalting self. That's what flesh does, okay? So as long as we're in the flesh, this is going to be a, a, a challenge. But this principle here is very powerful. What it says to us is that every single one of us in life, we're going to be exalted and we're going to be humbled. We get to pick in what order and by whom. We're all going to be exalted. We're all going to be humbled at times in our lives. We get to pick in what order and by whom. Let me say why I say that. Because it tells us right away God opposes the proud, but gives grace grace to humble. If you're prideful, God's going to bring you low. Humble yourselves, therefore, the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. So I get to choose. Do I want to humble myself and then let God exalt me in the proper time? Or do I want to exalt myself and have God bring me low? Choice is mine. Every single one of us gets to choose. Humility is such a gift. So many things in life are just made better when we walk in humility. I've seen leaders. I've seen marginally talented leaders who achieve great things because they're humble. It makes perfect sense. Many of you see a leader who's humble and they rec- they're going to recognize, honestly, yeah, oh, I'm not real good in that area. I better get someone else who can and let them do it and support them. Oh, yeah, there's no way I'm going to pull that off. Uh, yeah, I don't care what other people can do. I, that's not me. So I'm going I'm to get someone and I'm going to help them do that. that se- the self-awareness that humility brings automatically makes someone a better leader. I've seen pretty nominally talented leaders achieve unbelievable things in leadership because they were a person of humility in their character. I've also seen extremely talented leaders achieve very little because they weren't. That's a powerful principle, humility. And again, like last week we saw, God really wants to bless his people. The question is, will we trust him enough to follow him and let him do it his way? What I want to focus in on this morning is how he wraps up by saying these lessons and these statues are a protection. He says, lest you perish. He says, if you don't walk in these ways, you will perish like the nations that went before you. That's, just, that's to them. But we've all seen people with, where it seems they had everything and then they throw it all away. They crash and they burn. You're like, but they were a Christian. How could they possibly, how could they fall to that? How could they stumble into that sin? How could they fall into that trap? Because they forgot the lessons and the statutes that God wants to teach each one of us in the wilderness. They are a protection lest you perish. Protection from what? Well, from the flesh. That's the me first. The world. And by the world, I don't mean the people of the world. Okay? I mean the system and the rules. I've seen some Christians get really weird and kind of be all anti-everybody else in the world. Okay, yeah, um, if you're ever doing that, uh, don't wear our t-shirt, okay? Don't wear the, 
Uh, maybe you have some other shirts, church's gear you could wear when you do that. They're not the enemy, right? They can sometimes, be, if they're operating the system and the rules of the world, be very frustrating and stand opposed to us, but they're not the enemy. When I, talk, when I say the world, I'm talking about the systems and the rules, the system of the world that says there is no God but us. That's humanism. That's, that's a system. The rules, they're very different from the rules that God establishes that bring life. And so, just kind of to sum that up, I just, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Real life is a journey of discipline. It's a journey of discipline. That's really what we're talking about. These disciplines, the Lord is telling us, are our protection. Disciplines are our protection. Verse 5, what did he say? He said, know that in your heart, as a man disciplines his son, the Lord God disciplines you. Hebrews 12, 5 and 6 says, have, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Okay, a little quick survey. It's a little science here. This is a scientific survey. How many of you love discipline? Come on, raise it up. You love discipline. Mm. Thank you. We have an honest congregation. You're beginning to get real life, okay? I mean, you know, and I, there might be a person out here or two. I, I know a few people who are just supernaturally disciplined. Actually, I have a couple in my family, and that's fun. I just want you to know I'm not one of them, so that really messes the whole deal up. But most of us just go, yeah, discipline, that doesn't sound fun. How many of you know that discipline leads to great things? That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Learning to Walk or this whole series, it's available right now on demand when you find the sermon series on a church for real life at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a note that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.